Does God tempt us? Yes. <laughs> I love it. Half said yes, half said no. Well, if he doesn't tempt us, then why do we pray in the Lord's Prayer and say, lead us not into temptation? We're talking to God the Father now. We're saying, God, Father, lead us not into temptation. Now, I've got to tell you up front that this question has plagued theologians for nearly 2,000 years. Genuine scholars have fought on both sides of the issue. And part of the problem is basic misunderstanding of the term. It's basic misunderstanding of the word. In fact, this probably is the most controversial sentence or petition in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, oh, what a privilege. (laughs) In heaven, oh, what a place. He's there, and we're going to be with him there. Hallowed be your name. Oh, what a joyful thing to do, to bless the name of the Lord. Your kingdom come into our lives and into our businesses and our own homes. Oh, what an incredible longing, desire in all of our hearts who love the Lord. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What a form and a cry of surrender. Give us this day our daily bread. What an expression of dependence upon our heavenly daddy. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. That's a challenge to be like God and be imitators of God. But lead us not into temptation. It's a little bit perplexing when you really think about it. And this perplexity becomes even more pertinent when we compare verses 2 and 3 of James chapter 1 with verses 13 and 14 of the same chapter, James chapter 1. I want you to mark those verses in your Bibles. Verse 2, beginning of verse 2 of chapter 1 of James. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you meet various trials. For you know that the testing of your faith produce steadfastness. Beginning at verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. The word trial and the word temptation is the same word. So that's, I'm going to give you a clue here to help you out. (laughs) It's the same word. So what is James saying? On the one hand, he says, you know, count it all joy when you are tempted. And then he says, well, God doesn't tempt anybody. What is he doing here? The Greek word that is used both in verse 2 and in verse 13 is the same word. And in order to understand what it means, lead us into temptation, petition means, we must understand the use of that particular Greek word. Now, Those of you who have been listening to me long enough know that I don't stand here and talk about the Greek language and the Hebrew language, you know, all the Greek words and so forth. Some preachers like to do that to impress you. I try not to do that because I probably don't want to impress you. I do that at home in my study. So I come here and give you a simple message. But I want to tell you, this is one of those times where it is vitally important to understand that original word, because on it hinges your understanding of that petition, lead us not into temptation. And that Greek word, presimos, is a neutral word. It is used to translate it into English 
temptation, and is also translated testing. Same word. Because it is a neutral word, it can be used to mean testing or it can be used to mean tempting. It can be used to, in a very positive terms or it can be used in a negative term, depending on the sentence. The word can be used to mean seduction to evil or it can mean revealing one's moral character. It can be used to mean to deceive or it can be used to mean undeceive. It can be used aiming to lead us into sin or it can lead us out of sin. Satan used that word and when he uses it, it is tempting us. God used that same word, but when he uses it, it is testing us. That is what the confusion comes from. And you find people on both sides of the aisle, the different meaning of the same word, and they so entrenched, absolutely would not understand, would refuse to understand this little dilemma that we have in terms of semantics and language. Satan tempts us, but God sometimes permits it so that he may test us. I want to give you an illustration, and I hope that as I give you that illustration, you'll understand what I'm trying to tell you. When the Union Pacific Railway was being constructed and moving west, there was a place where an elaborate trestle bridge had to be built. And it had to be built on top of a very large canyon. Wanting to test his bridge, the builder loaded a train with enough extra cars and equipment to double its normal payload. And he got the train right in the middle, got it driven right in the middle of the bridge, and there he left it for 24 hours. Some people said, you crazy. Are you trying to destroy the bridge that you built? He said, absolutely not. What I'm trying to do is to prove that the bridge will not break. In the same way, when the Bible said the Holy Spirit sent Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan... What God the Father was doing is that he allowing this to happen in order to see not that Jesus can sin, but that Jesus would not sin. That's what it means. Satan tempts us. God tests us. I want to tell you, every time Satan comes and tries to tempt you, whatever it is, the area, your Achilles heel in which he comes to tempt you, If and when you understand the authority and the power that God has given you to defeat him and to be in victory, and you do it, and you have the victory, I believe God in heaven says, here goes my boy, (laughs) here goes my girl. You see, Satan's intention is to drive us to evil. But God's intention is to give us power over Satan to defeat him. Satan's intention is to defeat us, but God's intention is for us to appropriate his power and know how to do that in order to have victory. Satan's intention is to discourage us, but it is God's intention for us to have courage in the middle of discouragement. Satan's intention is to entice us to do our thing, but it is God's intention for us to be conformed into the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan's intention is to make us feel bad about ourselves, but it is God's intention for us to feel good about our heavenly daddy. It is Satan's intention to make us self-centeredness 
to be first and foremost in our lives, but God's intention for us is for Him and His glory to be first and foremost in our lives. That's the understanding of this verse. But guess what? (laughs) The devil knows exactly which area of your life that are not fully under the control of God the Holy Spirit... And he zeroes on on that area or those areas with absolutely bullseye accuracy. He knows it better than you do. I want you to hear me right because this is the heart of this petition. Lead us not into temptation. When that happened, when Satan tempts us, the test at that point becomes a very clear demonstration as to who has the upper hand in every area of your life. And that is why the Apostle Paul emphatically tells the Galatians, he said, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the passions of the flesh for the desires of the flesh war against the Spirit and the Spirit desire against the flesh. And these are opposed to one another to prevent you from doing what you would. Let me ask you this question. Who has the upper hand in every area of your life? I'm talking about every area. Are there some areas that are yours and other areas are God's? Now, if the answer is yes, uh, when it comes to this area, I'm in control. I just like to be in control in that area. I have the upper hand here. Then I want to tell you something. You can pray, lead us not into temptation a million times a day. It won't do you a bit of good. It won't help you. Not only that, but when you are in control of whatever area of your life, you might as well hand the key to that area to Satan and just said, please be my guest. Here's the key. Whatever it may be, whether it is fear or insecurity or worry or anger or unforgiveness or sexual lust or lying or addiction or greed or disappointment with God or unfaithfulness to God, whatever it may be, If it is under your control, you might as well hand the key over to Satan. I want you to imagine with me just for a second. If you live in an apartment building, and everybody in that apartment is fine, except for one tenant. One tenant. Miserable rascal. He turns on the music at night when you're asleep. He has parties. He has noise. He's stirring up trouble every night. One tenant. He said, everybody else in the building is fine. Just one tenant. What is he doing to you? He's making you miserable. Okay, now take this to the spiritual realm now. (laughs) Listen, because if one area is under your control, then you basically, what you've done, whether you agree or not, doesn't matter. (laughs) You have sent a golden engraved invitation to Satan to come and take over that area. Why? Because you are no match for him. And if you're taking one area under your control and you think you got that figured out, I want to tell you right now, you might as well hand him over the key. Because if you don't, he's going to bully you to take that key. If God is not in control, Satan will literally grab it from your hand. Listen, in every case where you are the captain of your ship, I can guarantee you that you can be absolutely sure that Admiral Satan is in command. Whether you like what I'm saying or not, and whether you agree or not, it doesn't matter because the truth is the truth. (laughs) 
And when that happened, it is not General Jesus who leads you into temptation, but Admiral Satan. And only those who daily place all areas of their lives under the control of the captain of the Lord of hosts can say with confidence, Daddy, lead me not into temptation. And they can be sure they're going to have the answer. Only those who daily place all areas of their lives under the control of the captain of the host of God can be confident even when God permits them to get into a testing time that he's going to be there to deliver them from the testing time. Lead us not into temptation. You know, I, uh, I was thinking about the steps that Satan often use in order to lead us into temptation. And I'm not going to give you personal illustrations. I'm just going to give it to you from the scripture. It's exactly the same steps that he used when he got to Adam and Eve in the garden. Watch those steps because Satan is not a very creative person. He's dumb. He has one method and he uses it everywhere. He just tailor makes it to fit your life. (laughs) He tailor makes it to fit your Achilles heels. He tailor makes it to fit your particular weakness. Here's the first step. Begin by confusing your will with the will of God. And you begin to think, well, I believe God would have me do this. No, he got your will and the will of God confused. He's going to bring doubt about the authority of the word of God into your life. He's going to muddy the clarity of the word of God. You know what he's going to do? He's going to say, nobody can really be sure about this. And that's exactly what he did with Adam and Eve. Listen, he did not go to Adam and Eve and said, hello, Adam, Eve, starts with Eve. He did not say, look, my name is Satan, and I want to be up front with you. I'm here to get you to disobey God. And he could have said all the bad things about God. You know what? Eve would not have fallen for it. Now, he didn't do that. What did he do? (laughs) He came and he said, are you really sure that this is what God meant by this? Are you sure? (laughs) Then he comes in and he tempts them, as he does with all believers. Oh, I think you're just narrowly interpreting this particular passage in the scripture. You know, there are so many interpretations about this. How do you know which one is really the right interpretation? You know what? God gave you your brains and he wants you to use them the best you know how. You know, the Bible is relevant to the olden days, but today God, oh, he's very understanding. After all, everybody is doing, you know what? Whenever you hear the word everybody from the devil, you better run. As long as you don't intend to hurt anybody, surely you are on safe grounds. Oh, but remember, You're not going to be judged by the God of the Old Testament who zapped everybody all the time. You're going to be judged by the God of the New Testament who is very understanding. Listen to these modern preachers. I want to tell you. Understanding my foot. First day of school, the students were asked to write an essay about um, their vacation and especially about returning to the class. As most of you know, I love Lucy and Charlie Brown's dialogues. 
So Lucy writes her essay, and she writes the following. She says, uh, vacations are nice, but it is good to be back at school. Now, most teachers know what a hogwash that is. She goes on to say, there is nothing more satisfying or challenging than education. And I look forward to a year of expanding my knowledge. (laughs) Needless to say, the teacher fell for it and complimented Lucy for her fine essay. And then the final frame of that cartoon, Lucy leans over to Charlie Brown and she says, after a while, you learn what sells. (laughs) You know what? Satan knows exactly what sells in your life and in mine. Satan knows what sells in our flesh. And he goes after it mercilessly. Then come the second step. The second step Satan uses is to appeal to your natural desires. He appeals to our passion. He appeals to our covetousness. He appeals to our curiosity. And he appeals to that area. He knows it well. (laughs) You know, like an angler who basically presents the bait and hides the hook. Somebody said that Satan is not such a fool as to fish without bait. And he will allow you only to see and he will show you only the glamorous side of the wrongdoing. And he hides their later shame and hurt and pain and guilt. He hides that. And that's exactly what he did with Adam and Eve. He presented them with a picture of them becoming like God. And that had a tremendous appeal. I was reflecting afresh this week, you know, and I thought, If Satan came to Eve with the fruit, whatever it may be, and then Eve would have seen in that fruit a big worm (laughs) wiggling there, seeing its tail wiggling. And he would say, look, take this. He's going to make you like God. I just wondered what her reaction would be. Probably she would not have fallen for it. Most likely she would have ran to Adam and she would have said, Addie, my darling, do something about this man who wants me to eat this worm that's in the fruit. But he didn't. He only showed her one side. He told them about that self-fulfillment that's going to be theirs. He told them about how happy they're going to be and oh, surely God wants me to be happy. It's the biggest trap of modern day Christians. God wants you to be joyful. Not necessarily the happiness of the world that talks about. Oh, it must have felt so good to dream of all that power and all of that control and all of that authority. And man, their ego began to blow up (laughs) like a balloon. And the bigger the balloon, the smaller the pin it needed to get the air out of it. Then comes the third step. It is a step of persuasion. Listen, (laughs) if Satan can get you to toy with the idea in your head... He's halfway there. If he can get you to entertain the idea, if he can get you to play with it in your mind, once you begin to do that, he knows that he's halfway there. If he can convince you that you can join the rat race without becoming one of the rats, he is almost there. When Eve got to that point, 
The natural thing, of course, was the natural, next natural step is to try it. <laughs> but what happened once the first bite is taken? Once that first bite is taken, he's going to convince her that one bite is not enough. One drink is not enough. One lie is not enough. One look is not enough. One visit is not enough. One try is not enough. And once you are in his clutches, he wants to keep you there. Once you are in his camp, he wants to imprison you there. Once you are in his service, he wants to hold you there. Once he made a beachhead into your life. And he got you to believe that that area is under your control. And you can do whatever you want. He is there. Because he wants to stay cozy and warm in that area in your life. In that apartment, in the apartment building of your mind. Even when you pray a million times a day. Lead me not into temptation. Lead us not into temptation. In one bit of good. You know why? Because at that point your prayer is so faint. It's half-hearted. You're not really serious about it. And Satan knows that. You see, when he has a stronghold in your life, resisting that temptation or his temptation, not just even in that area, in other areas, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Not because God cannot deliver you. Not because God cannot save you. Not because God can cleanse you and take authority over that area. No, because you are half-hearted about it. It's like this old lady who got involved in some bonza scheme of investment. And this poor dear lady lost everything. And just out of desperation, she called the Better Business Bureau. And she told them what happened. And the man on the other side, he said, but that's a bogus institution. Did you not know about this? Did you not know about us? Why didn't you call us before you made the investment? She said, oh, yes, I knew all about you. But the reason I didn't want to call you is because I knew you were going to tell me no. It's because you're going to tell me no. And millions of people throughout the world pray this prayer out of habit. Churches all over the world, people go in and rattle the Lord's Prayer and lead us not into temptation. And they walk out leading themselves into temptation. And that is why this prayer is for those who have put all areas of their lives under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It is for those who have put all areas of their life under the authority of God the Holy Spirit. Then comes the fourth step, the final step in Satan's modus operandi. Once you are there filled with guilt and shame and discouragement, he wants you to stay there. He will tell you that you can't get out of where you are. He's going to tell you that you are not able to get out of it. He will tell you, you put yourself there. You are in that mess because you did it. (laughs) Might as well stay in it. Enjoy yourself. God cannot forgive you. You are beyond forgiveness. And so the lie continues. Satan is going to do whatever in his power to stop you from repenting and turning to the Lord. Satan is going to do all within his power to keep you from taking this area and absolutely decisively 
offering it to the Lord for cleansing and for domination by the Holy Spirit. He will do all He can to stop you from doing that. And the way He gets you to stay where you are, the way He gets you to stay in your defeat is by getting you to Make an excuse for your sin. Making you rationalize it in your head. He makes you able to hide your defeat. He's getting you able to conceal the deception in your life. Not only from others, but even God. He can convince you that you can hide it from God. And at that point, you will feel deep down a separation from your heavenly father. Some of you might be there right now. You will put on a good Christian front, but deep down you are concealing, you are rationalizing, you are hiding your defeat. You will put on a public Christian mask, but deep down you have given up on deliverance and victory. And that's exactly what Satan did with Adam and Eve. They were cut off from open and frank and honest conversation that they used to have with the Lord on a regular basis. He cut them off from that. Why? Because they were hiding something. And when God came to meet them, they were in despair. And they thought that they could hide from God. And God called out, where are you? And don't believe for a moment that God did not know where they were. What God was asking Adam, he was saying, Adam, do you know where you are in your defeat? Let me ask you this. Please be honest with yourself. Do you know where you are when you are defeated? I believe God is calling you this very day. And he is calling you by name. Do you know where you are? Do you know where you are defeated? Do you know where Satan's beachhead in your life is? Do you know that in your drifting, you have separated yourself from me? I cannot be separated from you, but you are separating yourself from me. Come back because God wants to give you his victory. Please listen to what I'm going to tell you. I'm getting ready to close. One of the other things that Christians tend to confuse... They think that temptation in itself is an evil experience. That is not true. That is not true. Now, some people feel bad when they're tempted. No. When you're tempted and kick Satan in the teeth, you should be rejoicing. God has given you the victory. Because it is part and parcel of our Father's plan to producing people of strong character. It is God's plan of producing the Christ-like qualities in us. When He created us as free will beings, He knew that we would be confronted with choices. Listen to what I'm going to tell you, believers. Our character as children of the living God is the sum total of our choices. The sum total of our choices. Temptation from God's standpoint is our great testing grounds. It can help you grow into godliness under the guidance of the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. I try to visualize somebody who is 40 years of age and never walked. Not because of disability or physical reasons. But never walked because his parents tried to get him walking and then he fell and hurt himself. And from that moment on, they tried to protect him from falling again. 
So he has grown to maturity and never knew how to walk. Now you say, that's ridiculous, and I agree. That would be stupid because physically we can see it. But I want to testify to you today that there are Christians who have been Christians for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and they're still crawling. They don't know how to walk with God. And that is a tragedy. Because God wants us to develop and be men and women after God's own heart. Listen to J.B. Phillips' translation of James chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4. When all kinds of trials and temptations crowd into your life, my brothers, do not resent them as intruders, but welcome them as friends. Realize that they come to test your faith and to produce in you the quality of endurance. But let the process go on until that endurance is fully developed and you will find that you have become a man, and I want to put in parenthesis here, a woman of mature character with the right sort of independence. That is why it is absolutely proper, perfectly legitimate for the child of God, the dedicated Christian who have put all areas of their life under the control of God, the Holy Spirit, to cry out and say, Daddy, lead me not into temptation. But even so, His promise for us is that even in the times of temptation, He will give us a way of escape. Even in the times of trials and testing, he's going to open a door of deliverance. Even in the times of trials and testing, he will open an escape hatch. For he never tests us beyond our ability to bear. Lead us not into temptation. It's for those who have surrendered all areas of their lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Can that be your prayer today? Shall we pray? Father God, knowing that you are the mighty God, you are the powerful God, you're the God who's longing to answer our prayers, especially this prayer because it is in accordance with your will. Father God, I bless your name this very day. I thank you, Father, that the enemy is defeated. I thank you that he has no authority, that he may convince us that he does, but he doesn't. In the name of Jesus, Father, I pray that you will absolutely cleanse all these beachheads, all these strongholds. Father, in the name of Jesus, cleanse us, empower us, strengthen us, that we take every thought captive and put it under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.